Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Better Life Church. It's so good to see you guys. In fact, look at the person sitting beside you and say, I'm glad you're here today. Go on, tell them, say, I'm glad you are here today. We want to welcome everybody at our Grayson campus as well. We are one church in two locations, soon to be one church in three locations. Come on now, is that exciting? We're going to... If you're visiting with us or new, we're going to be putting the campus right there in the Boy County area in Ashland, and so we're super excited about that. We've been praying for that over 10 years now, and the Lord has opened up a door for us to go and, and uh, put a campus right there in Boy County where there's 48,000 people, and we're going to go after every one of them, right? That's what we do at Better Life Church. We want to make sure that heaven is crowded and hell is not crowded whatsoever on our watch because we want to see people experience the life-changing message of the gospel, so I'm really excited about that. Today, I'm excited about walking you through part two of Attitude of Gratitude. Actually, this ends our uh, series together. And uh, last week, we kind of talked about, you know, um, uh, grace, when you experience grace, how it just overflows with gratitude in your life. And maybe the reason why you're not grateful is because you've never experienced the grace of God. And so if you missed that, it's online. You can go back and watch it. But today, I want to talk about how to live a lifestyle that is thankful to the Lord. Like, how do I live out my life as a thanksgiving gift to God. Not just one time a year when you eat some turkey, come on, and some great chocolate pie from Rutabaker's, oh, praise Jesus, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I'm gonna tell you, like, it's amazing. And so, like, not just on one day that you're, you're, you're thankful, but I'm talking about a lifestyle. Like, how can you be thankful in the good times and the bad times? How can you be thankful when you don't like your job? How can you be grateful when your marriage is kind of going sideways? How can you be thankful when you got a kid that's rebellion? How can you be thankful when the things don't turn out the way that you think they should turn out or you've lost a job or you want another job, right? How, does the, how do you just live a lifestyle with an attitude of gratitude? And so that's what we're gonna be talking about today. You know, someone once said that your life that you have is a gift from God. God gave you a gift by giving you life. And the way we live our life is a gift back to God for what he has done in us and through us. And so today we're gonna talk about how to live a life of gratefulness. You know, Psalms 50 verse 23 says this, but giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. God says, when you give thanks, that is a sacrifice that truly honors me. And, and so we're gonna walk through this together and I'm gonna answer kind of a couple of questions. One, why should I be grateful? Somebody's like, why should I be grateful? We're gonna walk through that. And then two, how do I be grateful? Like, how do I practice this? Let's put this into practice. Today is like class, right? We're gonna teach today. We're gonna have fun today. If you like to take notes, today is for you. For all you top A people out there, I'm telling you, today is for you. It's good. You're gonna have, you know, fill in the blank. You can take notes. So you wanna grab your phone right now, go to your notes section, because I'm gonna walk you through, instead of I got lots of points to make in scriptures, that this is something that you need to go home and really just kind of study also on your own, you know, uh, maybe with your spouse or with a friend or, or a group, maybe you're in a small group together, because well, I'm gonna walk through several points. So you might wanna get your phone out, take some notes. If you don't wanna pay attention and take notes, you can still get your phone out and you'll probably text someone. I just think you're taking notes, so it's no big deal, right? And so it's a way you can kind of hide that, you know, in church, you know, you used to not be able to do that, right? Put the phone down. Now you're like, I'm just taking notes. <laughs> I get off Twitter, but anyway, and so, I'm gonna walk you through a little bit of that today, what that might look like. So here we go. First point, if you're taking notes, because I got a lot to cover, and uh, we're gonna celebrate communion together as a family, too, at the end of the service. Really excited about that at both locations. And so if you're watching at home and you wanna be part of this and celebrate communion with us as well, you might wanna go grab you some juice and some bread and uh, hang tight real back till we get to the end of the service. So first point is this. Why should we thank 
God? Why should we live an attitude of gratitude? And here's the first point, because of who God is. First, we have to start there. Before we go anywhere else, we must practice and understand that who God is. And once we understand who God is, that helps us live this attitude of gratitude. Psalms 45, three says this, great is the Lord who is most worthy of praise. He deserves all the honor and all the praise. Why? Because no one can measure to his greatness. He is worthy of all of our praises. Now, why is God worthy of our praise? Here's a few things, if you wanna write these down, it's on the screen, but it's a few things of why we should praise God for who he is. One, he is holy. He is holy. Holy means he is set apart. There is none like him. He's perfect, he's sinless, he's righteous, he's holy. And because he is holy, we should thank him. In fact, Psalms 97, 12 says, give thanks to God as you remember how holy he is. Have you just sat around and thought about how holy God is? There is none like him. There will never be. He's always existed, and I know that's so hard for our minds to understand. But if I'm gonna thank God for who he is, I gotta know who he is. And one thing that I can know for fact is God is holy, that God is pure, and God's never gonna lead me astray because of his character of who he is. Some people say there's nothing that God can do or cannot do. There are some things that God, God cannot sin. God cannot lie, it's not in his character, it's not who he is, why? Because he's holy, he's set apart. So, I can trust in his character of who he is, therefore I can be grateful that we serve a God, that we don't have to go to a tomb, we don't have to track across the, the world, that we serve a risen savior who is holy, who's been set apart, so we can be grateful for who he is. Here's another thing that we could, who God is, that God is love that God is love, that he is full of love. Psalms 107, Psalms 107, eight says, give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. See, sometimes when you have bad things happen in your life, you don't think that God loves you. God, if you love me, why does she walk out on me? God, if you love me, why do my grandparents have to pass away? God, if you love me, then why is my kid sick? God, if you love me, why is somebody rebelling? God, if you really love me, why ain't I got a job? God, if you really love me, I'm still single. How come you haven't found someone for me yet? You see, all of a sudden, we think that maybe God doesn't love us or there's something wrong with God's love. But God's love is perfect. And I know that's so hard for us to understand because we live in a sinful world and we don't understand perfection or unconditional love. We say we do, but we really don't understand unconditional love, that God loves us unconditionally. Because let's just face it, most of us have been raised our whole life and, and, and live out our life on conditional love. I love you if you love me. You hate me, I hate you. You talk bad about me, it's all bad about you. You don't like me, I don't like you. It's all based on conditions. We can't understand and put our mind around that God loves us unconditionally, that yet while we will still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. That's love. And so when I know that he's holy, and that he loves me, that no matter what I've done, no matter what I've said, no matter what I've tried, no matter what I will do, that Bible says there's nothing that could separate me from God's love. That should create an attitude of gratitude in my life, no matter how bad it may get here on earth, knowing that God is holy and that God loves me because his character is love. Here's another reason about who God is that we should be grateful, is that God is just. That God is a just God. Nothing goes unseen. See, a lot of times we wanna take vengeance back in our own hands when vengeance belongs to the Lord. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? You hurt me, I hurt you. When we can just say, you know what? God is just, 
Nothing goes unpunished. What you think may went unpunished, God has seen it because God knows all things and God's a just God. And whatever God just, it will be right. Even though we may disagree with it. Even though we think it, God should do something different because honestly, within us, we wanna be God. We wanna be our own boss, we wanna run our own lives, our own relationships, our own finances, our own, our own marriages, our own parenting. We wanna be our own boss. We wanna be a little G God. And so because of that, we wanna take vengeance or stuff in our own hands and say, no, that's not just. I'm gonna show you what just is. But we can stop for a moment and say, listen, nothing goes unnoticed. Not one tear is shed that God doesn't see. He knows every single thing. And a lot of times, if we could just be grateful, even in the times that are tough, to say, God, I trust you, because not only that you're holy, not only that you're loved, but God, you're just. And you know what's right, and I know that you will do the right thing, and the right thing will take place at your time, in your sovereignty, and your will, I trust you. So therefore, no matter what happens right now, I could be grateful, knowing that whatever happens, it's in a just God's hands, that he is just and he will fulfill it. That's what Psalm 7, 17 says, I will thank the Lord because he is just. Here's another reason that we should thank God because of who he is, it's because he's good. God is a good God. And I know we look at a wicked world and we see all the sinful stuff happen and we see all these crazy things happen and, and natural disasters happens and, and, and poverty and all this stuff around us. Like, how can there be a, a holy, righteous, good God up there allowing these things to happen? But because God is just, God is sovereign, God is good, he also gives us free will. And that you and I have a choice and that we choose. And a lot of times we choose poorly or we choose wrongly. But that doesn't make that, just because we make bad choices, that God is not good. God has everything under control even when we don't know it. Like why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. I mean I can give you the theological answer. Because of sin. Sin entered into the world and the whole world is warped. The whole world is longing for its creator to remove all sin from this place. The world is warped, the universe is warped, the weather, everything is warped because of sin. People will get sick, you will die, I will die eventually someday. People hurt each other, they hate each other, that's the world we live. And theologically, because sin has entered into the world. Now that doesn't fix it, right? Does that not make it right in your eyes? Like, well, we can't just blame sin, but because sin has entered into the world, that does not mean that God's not a good God. Everything will eventually will play out the way that God has ordained to play out and says, you know what, that's exactly what his will was. And we could say, but we trust a holy, righteous, just, loving, good God that he is in control. So I could be grateful for who he is. And lastly, because he's merciful. And this is the one that really we should be thankful for, is that God shows us mercy. Psalms 118.1 says, tell the Lord how thankful you are because his kind and he's always merciful. He is kind and always merciful. Like, I don't know about you, I'm so thankful that God shows me mercy. And a lot of times, we don't wanna show other people mercy. We don't wanna give them mercy. We don't wanna show them forgiveness. But when we understand that God is holy, just, and righteous, and good, and merciful towards us, when we have blown it, because of who he is, no matter what happens right now, we should live this attitude of gratitude, that we should be people of gratitude. Here's the second thing, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Not only because who God is, but because of what he has done. Because of what he has done in your life. God has done some miraculous things in your life, and I think a lot of times we get over them. We forget our blessings. 
We, we don't count them and name them one by one as the little song says. We get over the blessings of God and what he's done in our life, but we should be thankful and we should have an attitude of gratitude because of what God has done for us. Psalms 52, nine says, I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. So real quickly, what has God done for us? What are some things that God's done? And there's been specific things that God's done for you, but generically for all of us here today, what are some things that God has done? Here's something that God's done. Number one, he's created you. The Bible says that everything that has breath, Psalms 148, five, everything that has breath, all living creatures, let it praise the Lord. Why? Because he created you. God didn't have to create you. He didn't have to pick you. Do you know that? I've said this a thousand times. You can't pick the family you're born into. You can't pick the skin color you're born into. You can't pick the generation that you're born into. You can't pick the nationality or the country that you're born into. God in his sovereignty thought of you, picked you, and chose you to be born. He didn't have to do that. He gave you a chance. He has a purpose for you or you would not be here today. You would not be breathing right now. There's no such thing as an illegitimate kid God has a purpose for every single purpose, every single person that is born. And that's why I believe, I mean, with everything, this is not a political statement, everything within me, that life starts at conception. There's no mistakes. When it comes to kids, there's no mistakes. You may thought you made a mistake, but the kids never mistake. God already knew. Even no matter what happens or the situation take place or the life of the child, God already knew that, and there's, there's a purpose for that. And I believe every single child on the planet deserves the right to live and a chance to live and a chance to fulfill the God-given purpose. And so God created you. He didn't have to. So when you start feeling down on yourself, listen, when you look in the mirror and you say, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm no good, no one loves me, no one cares about me, I wish I was this, I wish I was that, I wish I looked like them, I wish, what you're saying is, God, you made a mistake. You messed up with me. God never makes mistakes. God never says, oops, that one took me by surprise. So listen, we can stop for a moment and say, you know what? I should be this thankful that he created me, that I've got a chance to make a difference, to change my family tree, to live a legacy for generations and generations and generations to come. He created me. Here's another reason. Another thing that he's done for you, if you're here and you're watching this or you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, I don't talk about you said, I believe there's a God out there and or I believe that you know Jesus came, but I mean you've surrendered your life to Jesus. Here's another thing you should be grateful for is that he saved you. He didn't have to save you. He didn't have to save none of us. He can let all of us go to hell, every one of us. He didn't have to redeem us when sin entered into the world. But guess what? He saved us. Like that alone right there, God, you created me and you saved me, no matter what happens, you're worthy of praise. If all that God does for you is cancel out all your sins, cancel out hell and guarantees you heaven, we should be grateful. We should be thankful people because we really don't understand, one, how glorious heaven is gonna be, but honestly, how horrible hell is gonna be. It's gonna be horrible. And so we should be grateful that God, you saved us. I don't deserve it. But God, you saved me. Psalms 9, 14 says, I will praise you and rejoice because you've saved me. We should be grateful and praise God because he saved us. Here's another reason of a thing that God has done for us. He's answered our prayers. 
Every time you pray, God answers your prayer, every single time. He may not answer the way you want it, but he answers it. It's either yes, no, or wait. He'll answer your prayer. It's either yes, no, or not now. The timing's not right for that. Just keep persistent, you keep praying. He's answered our prayers. Psalms 118.21 says, I will praise the Lord for answering my prayers. God is a God who wants to hear from you. He wants you to talk with him, and he wants to answer your prayers. Another thing that God's done for us and is doing for us is that he gives us direction. Like God will give you, God just didn't save you and leave you alone. He placed the Holy Spirit with us to comfort us, to guide us, to direct us. Psalms 16 verse seven says, I will praise the Lord because he guides me. Do you know that right now that you're not here by mistake? You're not even in this city by mistake, wherever you're watching this from or wherever state you're watching this from. You're not here by mistake. God, through the Holy Spirit, has got it. There's nothing within you that wants you to tune in and watch the Bible being preached, gather together as a family of God if the Holy Spirit has not drawn you. You are not here by mistake. You're here on purpose, for a purpose, because God has a purpose for you. So it's like, well, somebody told me to come. I watched somebody get baptized. I just want to show up today. And I, hey, they said I, if I eat turkey and show up, I, I, I get to go to go to church. I have to go to church or something. No, the Spirit of God blew you in here, on here, if you're watching today, for a reason. He's guided you, and He wants to guide and direct you in your life if you'll just yield to Him. And then the last thing, and this is a big one, a reason, and I've already covered this, that what God has done for us is that He died for you. He died for you. I love what Paul writes in Colossians chapter two, verse 13. It says, you were dead because of your sins. Because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God <laughs> made you alive. Who? God did. Made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. Everything we've ever done and will do. He's forgiven all of our sins. Canceled the record. He's expunged them. If you don't know what expunges, don't ask me how I know what that is. But he expunged it, right? He expunged it. I mean, it's clean as white as snow. It's like, hey, remember when you did this in middle school? Nope. It's gone. It's over. Canceled it. Cleansed it. The record of wrong is gone because love keeps no record of wrong. And that's how much he loves you. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away How? by nailing it to the cross. When Jesus died, he nailed all your sins to the cross. That alone should give us all the reason to be grateful and thankful for who he is and what he has done. And my third and final point on how, I mean on the why we should give God praise and thank is because of all of his promises. All of his promises, because what God has promised. Do you know right here in the Bible, there's over 7,000 promises for you. 7,000 promises. And that's like 7,000 blank checks ready to be cashed that you carry around with you, that you can cash in on the promises of God. If God said it, God cannot lie because he's good, he's holy, he's just. And if God says it, then we should claim that promise that he has for us. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible that God has for me and you. Psalm 71, 22 says, I will praise you because you are faithful to your promises. Some of the promises, we just talked about one in John 11, I'm the resurrection of life. Though you die, you will live if you believe in me. That's a promise. That's a promise right from God. If you first seek the kingdom of God, 
and the righteousness of God, I'll take care of your kingdom in your life. I will meet all the needs you have. If you'll seek my kingdom, I'll make sure your kingdom is taken care of. That's a promise from God. God promised us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Family and friends may turn them back on you. People may walk away from you. I will never turn my back on you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise from God. We should cash in on that promise. And so because of his promises, because of who he is, because of what he's done is worthy of our praise. We can stop right there and say it's worthy of our praise. But here's the question. Here's where we get to. How do we do this? Like practically, give me some tangible, give me some homework, right? I know you love homework, don't you? So what are some homework? So what I'm gonna share with you real quickly is a few things that you can do to begin to be, practice this attitude of gratitude in your life. And as a believer, these are things that we should begin to strive to do. Now, are we gonna be perfect at doing this? No. But if we can be overflowing knowing that he's a good God, a gracious God, a just God, a loving God, a holy God, a merciful God, who's created me and loved me and saved me and directs me and died for me, who's given me over 7,000 promises that towards me that I can cash in right now, that alone should stop me in my tracks, no matter how bad my job is, no matter what's going on in the world, just to stop and say, God, you're worthy of my praise. And I'm gonna give you all the thanks for what you've done in my life. So what are some practical ways I can do that? Here's the first one we're gonna have fun with. We should, if we had enough time, we could give everybody a chance to do this. Here's the way. Now, some of you are gonna laugh about this, but here's the one, and the Bible tells us we do, is by singing. Did you know that you can thank God by singing? Come on, you can write that down. Someone's like, oh, dear Lord, you do not wanna hear me sing. I don't wanna hear you sing, okay? I'm just being honest with you. I'm saying, but here's the way that you could do this is by singing. Listen to what the scripture says in Psalms 147.7. Sing out your thanks to the Lord. Sing out your thanks to the Lord. The Bible tells us that we should make a joyful noise. Now, it, don't, it may be joyful for you to hear. It may not be joyful for the person beside you to hear. That's why we turn the music up loud here at Better Life Church, right? So we don't have to hear you sing. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're glad you're here. You keep singing your heart out. And, and so listen, but there's something about it. Scientifically, we've already been proven this, that when you begin to sing, you release certain endorphins in your body. Watch this, that, uh, that calms your nervous system down, that, helps dissipate anxiety and depression and negative emotions in your life when you just begin to sing. And the Bible says that we should sing out our thanks to the Lord. Has God ever just given you a song? And I'm not talking about you just turn on Alexa and just start, I'm talking about a song of thanksgiving back to him. Like there's a song, like you have your song. Like if you think of a praise and worship song, like man, that is like my go-to song. Like that, and times when you just need to stop and be thankful, what if you just sung that song out? And I know that seems somewhat silly way, but the Bible says we should praise the Lord, that we should worship. If you don't like singing to God now, you're gonna hate heaven because we're gonna worship for all eternity. You may sound better there, I don't know, I don't have a scripture for that, but, but we're gonna praise him and we're gonna worship him, so why don't we go in and practice that? Why don't we go in and practice that? And that's one thing about getting together corporately. And that's one reason why we stand and we sing. One is something that's about community of singing together. Two, it prepares our heart as we get ready to open up and break God's word to receive his word because when we begin to sing about who he is and how awesome he is and how glorious is it, it begins to change our perspective and everything becomes just to go away just for a moment. Maybe where you're gonna eat or that's gonna be my son hunting on Webb Ridge in Carter County after church, okay? Pray for us. And so you're thinking about all these things, but just for a moment we can say, God, but you're worthy of our praise. We're here as your children. Inhabit the praises of your people. 
protect and, 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 and change our perspective of who you are so that when we sit down and hear God's word, our heart has already been opened to receive what he has for us. It's more than just two songs and announcements and a song and a sermon. There's a reason why we do, there's a reason why we sing, there's a reason why we praise him together because it begins to open up our hearts and our minds to receive his word. We could be thankful. The Bible says give thanks by singing. So I wanna ask you this week, they ask God, say, God, give me a song. What song is like a, a song? Maybe an old, good old hymn that you used to love and you listen to. Maybe that's your song. And maybe, listen, you're gonna go to work and you're gonna start breaking that out and you're gonna start laughing because you're gonna see how horribly you're sounding. Like, I just can't believe it. Some of you are gonna realize, oh my gosh, you can sing, right? Audition for the worship team. And so, like, there's a little plug there. So there's things that you know, but try it. Just, just find a song and say, all right, all right, it sounds silly and funny, but... Pastor Daniel said it's homework and I gotta get an A, right, on my homework assignment. And so practice singing. We can give thanks to him by singing. Here's the second one, by telling others the good news. If God has saved you, how can we not share that with others? By telling others the good news. That's the second point. We gotta share the good news with other people. If I'm thankful, if I'm grateful, one way is to practice that God saved me, changed me, canceled out hell, I get to go to heaven, is to share the good news with other people. Like tell them about it, share your story, tell what God has done in your life. Isaiah 12, four says, thank the Lord and praise his name. Tell the world about his wonderful love. Let's share to the world about how good our God is and let's talk about how good Jesus, because here's some good news. I was once lost and now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. I was once afar off and hell bound, but now I have a home in heaven. So I want you to think about this just for a moment. If God has radically saved your life, here's what you're saying. I am forgiven. I have a purpose for living. I have a home in heaven, but you could go to hell. When we don't share the gospel, when we don't share our stories, when we walk by people who are lost and we know they need Jesus, what you're saying is this, I'm saved. I've got a purpose. I even got a home in heaven. But you, my friend, you can go to hell. Now, I know you wouldn't say that, right? That wouldn't be within you to say, I'm just gonna tell somebody, I won't know nobody to go there. If you don't want nobody to go there, then be grateful that God saved you and start sharing the gospel. Start living it out at work and their classmates or your roommates or, your, or your, in front of your coach or your teachers or whoever it is at work and your boss or your manager. Let them see Christ in you. Live out the good news. Be different than the world and share it. Like for instance, on December the 19th, it's our Christmas services at both of our low campus, at both of our locations and campuses. That's the second biggest day of the year that anybody who says they'll never go to church will come with you. A family member, a husband, a spouse, a grandparent, a coach, a, a person, a friend, a coworker. Okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. They'll go on Christmas. What about right now, if you think of one person you're gonna bring with you right now to the Christmas service and you wrote their name down and you begin to pray for them every single day right now that God will open up their eyes, they will come with you and that when they hear the gospel being preached that day, they will respond and give their life to Jesus. What if you start doing that right now? God wants to use you. And if somebody's come to your mind that you know that needs to be here, that's because God put them on your heart because he wants to use you to be the catalyst to help move that so they could hear the gospel. 
So don't take for advantage, well, I guess somebody will show up, I guess they'll come, or hey, I just put on my Facebook, I wanna invite everybody to come to a Christmas service. That's awesome, that's cool. But what's the one person you're like, Sarah, you're coming with me. Johnny, you're coming with me. I'll pick you up. No, you're gonna stay all night. We're gonna have breakfast, we're gonna go to church. Like, who are you just gonna go after? Because we know that's the second best day of the year for people to come. It's a statistically proven fact. Easter being the first one. And so who are you gonna be bringing? Who are you gonna be sharing? If I'm grateful, I'm gonna find people and bring so their life can be changed. Here's a third one that I can show and practice. One, remember, singing. Two, inviting, sharing your story, the good news with people. A third one is giving an offering back to God. That when I give an offering to God, when I give my life as an offering to God, that is showing an attitude of gratitude. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, Psalms 50 says. Now, Deuteronomy 16.10, I want you to read this verse, I want to see what, here's what God told him, it says, celebrate the festival of harvest, this was in the fall, honor the Lord your God, bring him a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings that you have received from him. You give according to how God has blessed you. Now, there's a lot of confusion sometimes when it comes with tithes and offerings, so I just wanna make sure we're all on the same page because since we've basically been an exception as a church, we do a volunteer free will offering to the Lord that we do on December the 12th. It's, it's around the Christmas in the year, and what we do is we find organizations in our community, churches, orphans, inner city children, uh, uh, people who need the gospel, Bibles, inmates, uh, we, we pay off medical debt, we expand in evangelism and missions, we find a way to take this offering and say, how can we use it to be a blessing to the people around us? So we've been practicing this Deuteronomy that we ask people, go and pray, listen to Jesus, and give a free will offering. Whatever he tells you to do, you be a part of it and do it. Now, there's some confusion, so I just wanna make sure we're on the same page. There's a difference between a tithe and an offering. Now, not to get into all into it, it's not a whole message on it, but tithe is 10. 10 is the number of testing in the Bible. God wants to test your heart because the number one thing that's gonna compete with your heart, especially as you get older, is money. How I'm gonna make it, spend it, save it, retire it, invest it, take care of the kids, college, cars, medical bills, all these things. It's gonna compete with you. God says, I promise, one of the promises of God, if you'll bring to me what's mine, I'm gonna test your heart, and if you'll pass this test, I will take care of you. I will bless you. That's according to Malachi. It's a promise from the Bible. So a tithe is 10, and this is a testing. It's all it is. 10 of what? 10% of what I make, I give to the Lord. That's what says, listen, we don't designate a tithe. The tithe is not an offering. It don't belong to you. The Bible says the tithe belongs to the Lord, so we bring to him what's his. Now, anything over that tithe is considered an offering. And the offering is what my wife and I give. We give another 5% of our income as an offering to the Lord. We practice, God is an offering. Thank you for how you bless us. We give another percentages to other organizations of uh, parachurch organizations, mission fields and mission organizations as another offering to them to help them do what God has called them to do. So anything over the tithe is considered an offering. So when you give an offering back to God, what is he saying? It's a volunteer. It's not what God's saying, I require this because I want you to trust me Bring to me what's mine. After that, I said, God, I trust you. Here's an offering. And however you see fit that Lord leads you in that, maybe Lord wants you to bless someone, help someone in this Christmas season. Maybe there's an organization God says, it puts on your heart and you wanna give an offering to them. But you gotta understand that's above and beyond the tithe that you give. And so when he tells them to bring an offering, this was above what they were already tithing. And so somebody says, I can't afford to tithe. Well, you'll never be able to afford a tithe until you start tithing. 
is a principle through the scripture how it works. And so I don't wanna get into all that. But there's a difference between a tithe and an offering. So if you wanna bring an offering to the Lord and help an organization, help a family out, then as God impresses that in your spirit, then you do that. Be obedient. That's a way to say, God, thank you. He says, how you've blessed me, how can I not be a blessing? And if you listen, he says, bless the Lord and bless others in proportion of how he's blessed you. So that's between you and the Lord, how he has blessed you. And so I just wanna make sure we're on the same page. So on December 12th, we take up our harvest, really our offering, our year offering. That's a free will offering. You go pray, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. If he tells you to give, give. If he tells you not to give, then don't give. That's between you and the Lord. But whatever he tells you to do, just be obedient and do it. And so we can thank God. He says, when we give offerings, we show gratitude of what he's done in our life. In fact, some people would say that it, the level of your giving is tied to the level of your gratitude. If you're really thankful, it's gonna be evident because of what God's done in your life. Why? Because none of this belongs to me. It all belongs to the Lord. And when I understand that everything he's perfect and true and his will is great, whatever he directs me to do is gonna be in his hands and his wills, and we're just conduits. We're just gonna flow whatever God wants to flow through us as a church, as an individual, as a family, to whatever God wants to do. So that's the difference between the tithe and the offering, because you've always wondered that or just kind of been in church or you're new to church and said, what does it even mean? And that's the difference. But we can give an offering back to God which shows gratitude. Here's the fourth one, I'm about to jet through this real quick, is by serving God with our abilities that he's given me or that he gave me. Every single one of you have a gift. And way we can thank God is to use the gift he has given us to serve him. That's the way to show gratitude back to God. How has God wired you? Some of you are very strategic, some very have great when it comes logistic stuff. Some of you are really good behind the scenes and management. Some of you are really good in front of a part of the body. How has God wired you? Do you know that when you don't use the gift that God's given you to serve him, that's coming from an ungrateful heart. It's like, God, you don't deserve my gift. Like, God, I'm not thankful. Or here's what happens to a lot of us. Well, I wish I had that gift. Well, I wish I could sing like him. I wish I could sing like her. I wish I could speak like them. I wish I could teach. How come they ever asked me to teach? Well, no one ever recognizes me. Well, since no one recognizes me, then I guess that I'm not gonna step up and serve. Listen to me. It's not about you. It's not about you. Church is not about you. It's about him. We come to glorify him. We come to be edified as a body so we can serve him. You ain't, it's not serving me. He was serving the Lord. So how has God given you a gift? And here's the way you can thank God. God, thank you for what you've given me. I'm gonna use this gift to serve you. That's an attitude of gratitude. And every one of you can practice that because every one of you have a gift. Every one of you. Every single, and in fact, Paul writes in Ephesians that when the body uses their gifts, when the body functions as the body and everything does its own unique, specific thing, guess what happens? The body grows, the kingdom of God grows, heaven grows because you use your gift. So how, do you, how are you gonna use the gift that God's given you to be a thankful, to be thankful back to him? Here's the fifth one. By living each day as a thank you gift. I can practice this every day by living every single day as a thank you gift back to God. Every day, is it not, just, not just one time a year on the fourth Thursday of November, every single day is gonna be a lifestyle of thankfulness. Paul writes in Colossians 3, whatever you do, whatever in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. How? Giving thanks to God. Whatever you do, you be thankful and grateful. I, I love this. Paul writes in Colossians 2, he says, let your roots grow down into him. This is so fascinating. 
Let your lives be built on Jesus, on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will watch this overflow with what? Thankfulness, gratitude. When you begin to build your life on Jesus and from your gratitude of your life, guess what happens? You will sing. You will be generous. You'll use your gifts to serve others. Why? Because you are thankful that God erased hell and guarantees you heaven. That should have an attitude of gratitude. No matter how bad things play out here on earth, this is not our home. And so I could be thankful for who he is. And then lastly, one way that we can show our attitude of gratitude is what we're gonna do right now as a family at both of our locations and if you're watching online, and that is we're gonna celebrate communion together. We're gonna celebrate communion together as a family to remember what God has done in our life. In fact, in front of you or maybe in your seat should be a little cup that looks like this, both of our locations. And on the way to church this morning, I was sharing with my family that we're gonna be taking communion and, and my six-year-old, my wife looked at me, she goes, really quick, explain communion to, to Sadie, my daughter, she's sick. Sadie says, I know what communion is. I said, okay, what is it? What's the bread for? Jesus' body was broken for us. I said, okay, what's the juice for? His blood, it was shed for us. I said, and my son looked at and said, she knows a lot more than I thought she knew, right? I mean, so even a six-year-old gets it. And really, that's what communion is. It's to remember what Jesus did for us. We're grateful for what he did for us. We're gonna celebrate what he did for us and remember it until he comes back to get us. But I will share this with you. Communion is for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. And so if you're here today and you're just checking this God thing out and you don't really know, like you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, here's what I'm asking you to do. Just sit still, hang tight with us. This is something we do as the family of God, as a Christian, just to remind us what Jesus did for us. But I also wanna give you a chance too. If you're here and you said, man, you know, I didn't know that God loved me like that. I didn't know God did all that stuff for me. I didn't. I didn't know he was holy and just and good and merciful. I just thought God was mean and the big guy upstairs that just wants to take me out. That is not God. He loves you. He's a purpose for you. He wants to use you or you will not be here today. And so right where you said, you have an opportunity to receive him as your Lord and Savior before we even take communion. And the Bible says this, if we'll call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. And so right where you sit, maybe you're watching online, you're at our Grayson campus, or right here at Moorhead, right where you sit, you can just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how right now, I'm gonna repent of all my sin. And I'm gonna put my faith in you. And if that's you, and you cried out to the Lord, you know what the promise of God is? He'd save you. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if that was you and you prayed with us, first I wanna welcome you to the family. Host is gonna come out in a minute and give you some next steps. But today we get to celebrate communion together as a, as a family. And for the very first time, maybe you get to celebrate communion as you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Paul writes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to the bread. Then he broke it in pieces. And this is what he said. This is my body, which is given for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper. This cup is a new covenant. Now that word covenant really means testament. We have the Old Testament, the New Testament. We have the Old Covenant, and now Jesus issues the New Covenant. That's when you read the New Testament, it means it's the New Covenant. It's what Jesus introduces right here at this passage. Here's the New Covenant. No longer has to be lambs and goats to be slain. I'm the last lamb. No longer do we have to sacrifice because there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Blood is about to be shed for the very last time, and today's the New Covenant. I'm the last lamb. I'm the last sacrifice. You put your faith in me, all your sins will be forgiven. Everything changed at this moment right here. And here's what he says. This is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, here's what you're doing. You are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And guess what, he's coming again, which is another reason we should be thankful that we don't have to stay on this playground much longer. He's coming. Come on, would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thankful for your word. We thank you for speaking into our hearts and our lives. God, we trust you. I pray that we will have this attitude of gratitude that doesn't just last <laughs> one Thursday of the year that we sit around and we count our blessings. But God, I pray that your people in this entire region will be begin to overflow with gratitude and gratefulness, how you saved us and changed us, and that the world will see and that this region will see that there's people who have something to be thankful for even in the midst of a crazy world. And I pray that you will use our attitude of gratitude to draw men and women to yourself as we show people your son, Jesus, in the workplace, in our families, out in public, at home, and that the world will see you in us because we represent you as your church. We love you, Jesus, for your name we ask and we pray. Come on now, and everybody say amen.